Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshman. And I'm Evan Novi Williams, and this is the Move Over Manning Brothers Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. I like what you did there because I know where you're going and I know where I'm going. I couldn't resist. I don't know about you. I opened the cabinet and the Doritos were there. (laughs) My my son had a bag of Doritos and I would never, ever think to buy Doritos. But if you open the cabinet and there's a bag of Doritos, what do you like? I was like, oh, they were in Cool Ranch. It was sort of the, the standard red bag, whatever that is. Yeah. But I still had a whole bunch right before we started recording. I was just shoving them in, had a little piece stuck there. I'm not, fascinated not, by how you say Doritos, by the way. Doritos. Doritos. Door? What do you mean? I'm thinking Dorito. Oh, it sounded like you said Doritos. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, I <laughs> Neither know here nor where there. I'm going. I am getting ready to go. And I wish, you know, I'm going to play this out loud. All right. You know what? Let, let me see if it comes through um, because like the external speaker on the, on the computer, but I'm going to play this out loud and you let me know if you hear this fine. Ready? I got yeah. it pumped up as loud. I, I think it's as loud. I think as I, I know can what's go. coming, but go ahead. I don't know. Right, let's see. Let's see if I can do it here. Ready? Oh, you know what? What an idiot I am, buddy. <laughs> this is great. No, you know why I'm like I'm a total idiot? Because I have my headphones plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> so you got nothing. But all right, guess. What where'd you think I was doing? I assumed it was gonna be the inside the NBA theme song. Is that right? No, 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 no. no, oh, no. Okay. It, let me see if, if I'm gonna say it and you let me know okay. if you know where I'm going. Hello, Cleveland. Hello, Cleveland. I don't. No? <gasps> no idea. Really? Have you ever seen Spinal Tap? I have seen Spinal Tap, but I did they're, not get the reference. They're roaming backstage and they can't find their way to the stage. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, you're with the band. It's through that door. You know, you're the talent. And he's just yelling, hello, Cleveland, <laughs> so I, which I absolutely love. It's just a great line. They're lost backstage and can't find a way to the stage. Hello, Cleveland. Hello, Cleveland. All right. Anyway, NBA All-Star headed yep. to Cleveland and one of the topics uh, that we should be talking about basketball is inside the NBA. Of course, Turner's incredibly popular show, uh, Kenny, Ernie, Charles, Shaq, 
Uh, I guess we have to include some some others now, right? Draymond Green. Yeah, Steph your, Curry, I think, is joining Steph Curry sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is it who, and who else? Who else is on that show? Uh, J- John Morant, I know, is joining. They're doing a, a, a Manning cast version, essentially. So yeah, in essence, they're doing also during Turner Turner NBA games. Uh, and and you and I, Scott, have have talked and also discussed on the show and off the show about what other kind of compelling permutations of announcers could do a, a, a really good alternative broadcast in other sports. I think this is a great one. The, the, the chemistry these guys have, the, the, the way in which they kind of feed off each other. You never know what direction they're going to go in when they start talking the, this, this crew, especially, uh, but the, the interplay between, between Chuck and Shaq, this feels like a really good kind of next evolution of what the Mannings have done on Monday night football. Yeah, like you said, it's not manufactured. They have built up over the years the credibility with the audience. They all obviously have the bona fides to discuss players and whether they're doing the right or the wrong. They're certainly not afraid to criticize. They know how to laugh. And, of course, Ernie Johnson is sort of the master at, at steering yeah. the show and trying exactly. to keep that 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 ship from hitting the rocks, right? And he's done such a, a great job of it. Yeah, it's become an incredibly popular show. And the important part, as we've discussed with Peyton and Eli, it's not manufactured. I don't know how you would go about trying to recreate what they have done on Inside the NBA when you're talking about all those years together, all that chemistry, the comfort, they know where each other's going. It's kind of like you and I, you know, I'm not saying that we are as good as them or whatever, but we have been doing this for more than a decade, whether it be the podcast or just sitting next to each other talking about the business of sports day in and day out. I know where you're going, when you're going. I know what you're thinking. I, you know the same for me. You can finish the sentences on many of the stories. They have that same chemistry, and it just doesn't work. You can't just try and pluck people from thin air and say, let's try to replicate. It doesn't work that way. Yeah, and the interesting thing I think about this is that it, this is clearly the, this new new wave, this new era, 2022 alternative broadcasts. People are focusing on this. It's former players, just like the Mannings and like Chuck and Shaq, that have really good chemistry, that can tell stories about their time playing, can interview people from a wide swath of sports and other realms that are really compelling interviews that people can watch and say, huh, that's interesting. That seems to be the way the alternative cast is going right now. I think you and I agree that in the long-term future, these things are probably way more concentrated into something extremely specific, whether that is gambling, live gambling odds, whether that is a broadcast that is explaining the sport of basketball. Here's what a double dribble is. Here's what it means. This is why this is a foul. You can see his arm goes down. He gets touched on the elbow. All these things. There's going to be, I think, a future of multiple languages. There's going to be a future where these things get really, really hyper-specific. But we're still kind of in the mode right now where both this TNT thing and also the Mannings are still kind of a... I think uh, aimed at a general audience, the same kind of people that would write would watch the the, the normal telecast, and maybe not yet drilling down into the specifics that I think we're going to see at some point. All right, if Matt Whitehurst, our producer, is listening closely, this would be the the port of the show where you want to put in the tangent trumpet right about now. <laughs> and again, most people would let this go. Make way for a Sportico tangent. But the question I have for you is, when you say swath, do you need to use the qualifier wide? Does swath <laughs> not imply wide? Like you say a swath of, I mean, I, I guess. Can you have a, a, sh- a narrow swath? A narrow swath. Yeah, if you're you going to have use a the narrow swath. swath. Yeah. I think not all swaths are narrow. 
That's what I'm well, going well, with. Uh, no, I would say I would say most. Or not swaps all swaps are, are wide. wide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that. You're you're making my point there. Most swaps are wide, which is why do I need the qualifier? I don't know, but you know it. when you think about NBA All Star Weekend, and I don't know how many I have been to. Many, many, many. The highlight is usually Saturday night, right? You have your skills competition, your three point shooting, and of course the slam dunk. Now I I covered the league when that slam dunk competition included a guy by the name of Michael Jordan. So, you know, that was really sort of the height of the of the whole thing. But now that we are a little bit older and you and I are focusing on the business of sport, not so much what happens on the court, there's a different highlight. That like the the dunk competition for me and you and others occurs right when you arrive. It's it's Friday morning early till about one o'clock. And it's something David Stern started years ago called the NBA All-Star Technology Summit. And David wanted not only his partners, and, and most participants are in some way, shape, or form a, a partner of the NBA, whether it be owner or sponsor or league partner. It, it's sort of that, that ecosystem of basketball. And they get together and they just talk about sort of where are we going? How can we help each other? Best practices. It's an off-the-record gathering. And it, it, it is absolutely, for me, the highlight. I'm going to read some names. This is not an entire roster, but here's the sort of who's who for who be here in Cleveland. How do you like Mark Cuban, Magic Johnson, Sue Bird, Maverick Carter, Amy Howe, of course, the CEO of FanDuel, Mark Laurie, the new owner or part owner of the Timberwolves, CJ McCollum, Steve Paliuka, Bain Capital, part owner of the Celtics, Chris Paul, Jimmy Pitaro of ESPN, Vivek Ranadive, Ryan Smith, new owner of the Jazz, Casey Wasserman, Jeff Zucker. Um, I, I, I pretty good, right? You've got sports, you've got entertainment, you've got technology. Yeah, it's all about where are we going? And certainly the NBA has been at the forefront of distribution. I am do, do not worry. Remember our friend who said, you know, I don't want to hear that story anymore. I am not going to tell <laughs> the, the Timpu Bhutan story, but uh, if you know it, you can get a little smile right now. But that's what David saw then. And what do we see now? What are we talking about in 5G? What are we talking about with D2C, direct-to-consumer? What are we talking about data? How does it pertain to not only athlete data, but customer data? Uh, what do we mean about engagement and second screen? This is the, the, the point of the Technology Summit. It's getting these folks together who, whether on the court or in the business world, often compete against each other to share ideas and best practices and see what they can accomplish together. Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. I, I like to think of the, the Tech Summit event there as a look at where the industry thinks sports viewership and sports consuming is going in, in five or 10 years. And sometimes they are dead on about what that's going to look like. The NBA, because you went to a lot of these, uh, I was I was with you five or six years ago, really early on the idea of data, both player data and game data and how monetizable that was, how much consumers betters, media companies wanted better, more reliable, more vibrant data sets that they could use uh, for, for engagement purposes. Really accurate on that. They also spent a lot of time at these things talking about VR and, and, and AR viewership, which is still not uh, has still not taken off in the way that I think a lot of people a lot of people did. But you do, you're right. You, you go to these events and you get a sense of, of kind of where people think the ball is rolling. Uh, and, and now more than ever, because of the way that, that media is changing, it, it's becoming harder and harder to find those pockets of fans. You have to meet them where they are. And increasingly, that's not 
TV and it's, it's, it's maybe not computers either. It's, it's, it's more mobile and it's even maybe not live games, but something else, something in the metaverse, something elsewhere. Uh, so yeah, this is a, it's always a good event and it's good to see kind of where the people are looking long-term at, at the future of sports. And you know, what stands out to me. And of course the owners are there. I mean that, that like, it's fine. What has always stood out to me with the NBA, and it isn't the same in all the leagues, is the player inclusion. That Chris Paul, former president of the Players Association, now CJ Collum, uh, McCollum, excuse me, that they're participants. That Adam wants to bring, and that's Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, he wants to bring the players in. Magic, of course, former player. And he wants to know, what do you think? What do you see? How are you investing your money? What, what is being discussed in the locker room? How are you guys utilizing technology? Is it different from what the owners are doing? How we're doing it in a league? He, he solicits the input from the players, has them participate in events like this. Because I, I do believe that the NBA, more than any other league, and they all espouse the, the relationship between management and labor as partners and partnership, which isn't always really the case. But I do believe the NBA, more than the others, is the closest thing to a true partnership, despite the fact that there's no equity for the players that Michelle Roberts said she wanted. But um, I digress. Um, That the closest thing to a real partnership, at least in terms of the, the ability to work together and share ideas, exists in basketball. And let me ask you something. How much of that do you think is a kind of a conscious decision by league central office and owners to understand that that, that it's maybe better if they include and, and work together with players and, and empower players, et cetera? And how much of that is, is is kind of the forced on them by the structure of the game? There, there's only five players on a court at a time. They don't wear helmets. They don't wear. They don't even wear hats. Uh, an NBA player can be dominant for his team in a way that no NFL player or hockey or baseball player can be. They can take over the game and be the the number one star touching the ball at all times. I always wonder kind of how much of this is the NBA making kind of a conscious decision or maybe just the fact that that the NBA kind of entered the, the, the American culture in a way in which these guys became stars where it was almost inevitable and maybe not as much a choice for the league. Is yes an acceptable answer for, to that question? <laughs> I think I, I think you yeah I think you've hit on it right. The fact that this is such a superstar driven league that there's an outsized importance to the player owner coach relationship, whether it be Michael or you know Chris Paul and and now LeBron, whatever it may be. That yeah, like, like LeBron James is as much a media company now as the NBA. And you sort of would be unwise not to solicit his input. What do you see? Because, let's face it, while there's maybe one star on every team and not even one megastar, but you know, the LeBron character, the fact remains that people pay to see the players out there. And... That kind of fan player relationships, whether it's on Twitter followers or Instagram, like LeBron doesn't need Turner. He doesn't need ESPN. He doesn't need anything. LeBron's method of distribution is right in his hand. He can he can reach the world, like hundreds of millions of people with a tweet, with an Instagram post, and how he's chosen now to, to go and build his platform and build uh, sort of a, a media business around the basketball player, 
Uh, why wouldn't the NBA look at that? Why wouldn't other leagues look at that and say, what is, what is there for us to learn? What is to glean from this megastar athlete becoming a dominant, iconic global brand? And we've seen, I think, a lot of evidence of NBA players also recognizing that with this with this power comes both more responsibility and also more that they can leverage. I, I think back to in, in the wake of, of George Floyd's murder, the NBA players, the, the first league that shut down was because there were NBA players that essentially refused to take the court uh, the, on the Milwaukee Bucks, I think against the, the, the Orlando Magic. Um, there, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of ways in which kind of this power is also a muscle that's being flexed by the players themselves that we haven't necessarily seen in other leagues in quite the same way. Yeah, and you can absolutely see that in the last collective bargaining when the NBA players decided to take back their group licensing rights. Another great example, yeah. Yeah, like the NBA, if people aren't familiar, the NBA used to cut a check to the union for the right to use player images uh, in all sorts of advertising, video games, things like that. And the players then said, you know what? These rights are growing and whether it be video games or new technology or just straight up ads, you know, print ads, if you want to go old school, we think there's more value in-house that we can do things as a union. And of course, in that is now the fact that there's two separate contracts that need to be signed. If you want to use an NBA player in his uniform and use league marks, you need to deal with the Players Association and you need to deal with the league. But the fact remains, what we were talking about is the players recognize the increase in value in those rights, which is why unions these days, if you're looking at them as just collective bargaining agencies, you're missing the boat because they are incubators. They are licensing behemoths. That's where the ton of money is coming in now. It's, it's in the licensing of players and of marks. And they're fi- increasingly, by the way, finding ways to do that without the league marks. Like the value is the player and the face absent him in that uniform. So you're right, that that is what's going on in pro sports. And to tie this all together, it's making me think of in the past three weeks, we've had both John Boyton, an an investor in three of the professional women's hockey teams here in North America, and also John Patrickoff of Athletes Unlimited, both of them, both women's soccer, women's sports platforms, their leagues are all kind of tying in athletes either in equity shares or in profit sharing for this exact reason. They understand that in, in a lot of ways, the, the the rising tide lifts all boats and that the best way to do that is is with some kind of mutual, you know, pairing of, of, of league and athlete, them or, or him or herself. All right. As you and I then wax poetic on the power of new technology and direct to consumer and streaming we move to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Let us leave basketball for a moment and take a peek at the Super Bowl. We were waiting breathlessly for, all right, what's the number going to be? And it seems to have settled at 112 or so million people took in the Super Bowl. Uh, about 100 million of those were on, guess it, linear television, right? Mm-hmm. Still an increasing number. About 10% of the total audience is now streaming, and we'll see if it's if it continues to grow. But still, the behemoth for the Super Bowl uh, this year on NBC uh, was that linear television option. And by the way, love the 6.30 start time. And, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it, I've been trying to, and, and people way smarter than me have, have dove into these numbers in, in all the different ways. This is obviously, I think, a top line, a, a fantastic result for the NFL. Who would you say is the biggest star from this, this year's Super Bowl? 
Who would I say the big, is the, the biggest, biggest name star? on these two teams pregame? Uh, probably Joe Burrow. Maybe Joe Burrow, maybe Odell Beckham. This is not a. They've had Patrick Mahomes in Super Bowls in in recent years. They've had Tom Brady in Super Bowls in recent years. There is usually a a bona fide A list NFL star in the Super Bowl. This year didn't have it. They obviously benefited from a compelling halftime show and and a game that went down to the final, literally the final drive. All those things are really great. Um, but yeah, I think the the top line here. One, this is a fantastic number. For the NFL, I think it, they've changed the way they calculate these things. But just from a from a top line number standpoint, it's the second most watched Super Bowl of all time. That's a that's fantastic. And then secondly, I, we can dive in a little bit more, Scott. You mentioned that 11.2 million people stream this Super Bowl, by far the most we've ever seen for a Super Bowl. Um, really interesting to see how that number changes. That includes both people streaming on mobile and also connected devices, which is obviously becoming a bigger and bigger portion of the uh, of the TV watching population. But uh, it doubled from the year before. It was 5.7 in 2021, up to 11.2 million this year. Yeah. And you and I, I don't believe we, I don't believe we have discussed sort of the economy around the halftime. We didn't do that on one of our previous we didn't shows. Know. Did we? Right, we should, because Jacob Feldman wrote a great story about the, the economy behind sort of the Pepsi-fueled 12 minutes of halftime. And, of course, you had Snoop and Dre and Eminem. Um, th- this time is kind of homage to rap music and, and hip-hop of, of L.A. Um, Mary J. Blige, I know my wife loved that. My, my, my focus group of one and his pals got up for Kendrick Lamar. You know, it didn't care about all the other stuff. But the important part here is that the halftime show is a free agent. Like, great, great time. This, this would be the equivalent of a quarterback coming off a career year, you know, I don't know, 37 touchdowns, two interceptions, uh, and and you're you're free to sign with any team. That's where we are with the halftime show. I, I wonder, what's it going to cost and uh, how many folks will take a peek at maybe uh, un, unseating Pepsi? It's, I mean, it's going to be expensive. I think the number that Jacob used in there is that the, the annual, probably in the 20 to $40 million range to sponsor this. It remains uh, just a, a massive. I, I don't follow the music industry all that much. I, I imagine the Super Bowl halftime show is one of the biggest annual music events in the industry in terms of the amount of eyeballs watching, the amount of buzz on social media about it, how much we see every year. The you see the Spotify numbers after these athletes perform, how much the the, the listenership on their songs goes up just because. People saw them uh, perform at the halftime show. Wait a minute, uh, artists still have their 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 uh, portfolios on Spotify. That's still happening. <laughs> well, I, Neil Young didn't perform this year, uh, <laughs> but I, I saw even on this one, right? The Dr. Dre had a huge bump. Uh, I know Fifty Cent had a huge bump. Eminem, all, all of them, I think, saw you know multiple hundred percent increases uh, in their music consumption. So you understand why athlete, why artists want to do it. It's the reason why they essentially don't get paid to do it. They understand the value in it and 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 just talk about these numbers we just discussed 112 million people on average uh watched a minute of the Super Bowl and that includes the halftime show and that's a massive amount of eyeballs no matter who you are in the music industry. All right, well, let's finish up with pitchers and catchers reporting. Oh, oh wait, 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 not <laughs> reporting. <laughs> pitchers and catchers supposed to be re- you know, and I look out, I still see some snow on the ground. You know, it's it's always that feel good day, right? Pitchers, you hear pitchers and catchers, you know you're inching toward the warmer weather. Give me an update, Evan. What do I need to know uh, about MLB management and labor right now? 
uh, as the uh, spring training doors were set to open, but have not. It sounds like they're still both the league and, and union are, are very far apart. And we've said this phrase a lot regarding the lockout itself, deadline spur action. I would have thought that pitchers and catchers reporting kind of the start of the player baseball season uh, would have been one of those things that is a, a deadline. And, and clearly it's not the kind that spurs action, at least not yet for these two sides, but uh, I, I, there's no surprise, I don't think, for either of us or for people who have been following this that there's a pretty good chance that that spring training is going to get disrupted significantly and maybe even the start of the regular season. But this just reaffirms that. I, I, typically, and you know this more than me because you've covered more of these things, typically you get a sense that that they're getting closer and closer and then a deal gets struck. We have not yet hit the point in the baseball world where we get a sense that they're getting closer and closer. And that's just going to draw out frustration for from both sides. Did you know, by the way, my favorite story coming out of Super Bowl, there's always these nuggets that you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Did you know ahead of time that Clayton Kershaw and Matthew Stafford played on the same Little League team? I did, I did not know that, no. That's, That's how, amazing. How good was that? Yeah, how good was that? Those are some good arms, right? I saw the photo of them in the little White Sox uniform. Um, I thought that was great. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, that must have been. I, were they both pitchers? I don't know. But yeah, I, I would not want to be a, a 12-year-old batter having to face those two guys back to back. Yeah, that, that would have been sort of my shilling Randy Johnson one-two punch and like take it to the title. Absolutely. Only Chris exactly. Drury could have stopped him. All right. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter, Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our social media editor is Cora Veltman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will very soon become the Sportico Media Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.